the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, uh, the world's still on fire. Everything's crazy domestically, internationally. And uh, what can you do? Oh, boy, what can you do? Things are just falling apart. It looks like we're on the verge of World War Three. Um, Israel's got to do the right thing. they got to destroy Hamas. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's totally going to happen. Question of when. And it must. It absolutely must. And we have to be on. I, I, you know, I feel bad for these idiots, some of them. You know why? They've been on a fake news diet all their life. All their life, they've been hearing fake news and the Palestinians and like, oh, worthy, worthy cause. No, they've been out to destroy Israel uh, since Israel. Okay, so um, no, there's only one good side here. Uh, I hate that innocent children and women will die in this conflict. I hate it, but it happens. It's one of the reasons why war is hell. All right. And look, I can't deal with any of this stuff right now. I will get back to it in a little bit. I had jury duty this morning. Um, I did not get called. I just waited around. It reminded me that the last time I had jury duty. But do me a favor. I had a uh, a moment with my three year old daughter who has been, you know, they talk about the terrible twos. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it goes on until uh, three. How old is she? Three years and eight months. She, God, she's terrorizing us all the time. Yelling and screaming and just demanding and kicking and hitting. And I think this is, I'm told that this is very common. And the tantrums. I had a little talk with my, hello, James. Hi, Greg. um, Look, you don't have any kids, but I do really would like to put this out to the audience. I think I'm doing the right thing. When she acts up, when she kicks and screams, you know, she pulls her little sister's hair, right? And then she cries. I mean, the little sister, and then she, if I say, don't do that, she starts crying, the aggressor. So my my mode of uh, how I handle this is I pick her up and I bring her into another room, and we have a talk, all right? And I had a talk with her about how this is all wrong and you can't do this, and she's listening, but I don't know if, you know, if I'm making any headway. So we, uh, we have a conversation. So what is it important that you do? What are you supposed to do? Hmm? Listen. What? Listen. 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 And what else are you supposed to do? Not yell. Say it. Not yell. And what else? Listen. And not scream and not hit people. Not pull your sister's hair. Stop for a second. You think she was being a wise guy with the... What else? Listen. Not no, yell. What I mean, else? I, Listen. Because I, I just she... mentioned that. There's more. Hold on. Say that stuff. Not pull people. And not put my sis, pull my sister's hair. That's right. You're not allowed to hurt your sister. Repeat after me. I'm not allowed to hurt my sister. I'm not allowed to hurt my Sister. I'm not allowed to yell and scream at mommy. I'm not allowed to scream at mommy. I'm not allowed to kick people. I'm not allowed to kick people. When mommy tells you to do something, I will do it. Oh. Say that. When my mommy tells me to do something... 
I do it. You do it. You think you can remember all this? You promise? Say you promise. I promise. What do you promise? I promise to be nice. Okay. Thank you. All right. I love you. You love me? Say, say it. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Well, she just uh, nodded her head. You know, I, there I am fishing for yeah. compliments. I don't know. I don't know how to raise a kid, and I'm too busy to read Dr. Spock. Um, does that sound right to you, what I did? It does. I mean, I think that it's tough with little kids, I can imagine, because, like, there are certain things that just need to be the way they are because the way they are, right? Because mom and dad said so. And little kids never like that because mm. it kind of lacks the yeah. – they want to have some sort of, like, you know, explanation. Well, right? then again, what do you know? Quite frankly, right? uh, that's you, also true. And just like me, I mean, you, you only you have experience being a three year old, not at Diego. Uh, you got kids. Uh, how many? Uh, how did I handle that? I do not have kids, man. You don't? I oh. do not. No. I thought you had three kids. No, I never said oh, that. Sweet. You're not married. No. All right, Rich, you brought up some children. What do you make? I mean, is this the way you do it? Yes, I thought uh, you were very good, but I also thought that she was totally not listening to you. <laughs> Are you serious? I think she was telling you what you wanted to hear. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually too. ordered her to say that stuff. But she knows what Dad wants her to say. Well, I think she also knows what I want her to do because remember, there was a whole preamble to this. All right, we talked. There was, you know, it wasn't like you heard everything that went down. Yeah. I was in the room with her for twenty minutes. Well, what do you lay out during that portion of it? Like how much it, how much her sister is hurt by that, right? And yeah, how she's got to protect her sister, and you know, you're hurting mommy, and you're stressing yeah. everybody out, and you know, you got to calm down, and then. And first, she's got to calm down because she's huffing and puffing about the whole situation. All right. Well, anyway, parenthood, you know, you try your best and you hope for the best. That's and, all you uh, can do. Um, all right. So uh, what? while I was on jury duty and all right. this other stuff, what did I miss this morning? Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on around the city, obviously. We've got a, a little boy, speaking of parenthood, just a tragic story, a little boy who went missing on Friday because his friends, apparently it looks like, may have dared him that he can't jump into the East River, that he won't dump, jump into the East River or something like that. Yeah, no this, kidding. I wouldn't teen, either. Shoot, he 13 did. 13-year-old kid, he did, and now he's missing, of course. And um, Where do they make of, him jump in the river? It was down on the Lower East Side. Uh, they had gone to, like, some soccer match or something like that. He's from Brooklyn, the kid. And, you know, now his parents are saying they believe that maybe he was kind of, like, you know, dared to do this or, you know, bullied to do this or something like that. So just a terrible story with that. Um, you know, commuters up in Westchester County and stuff like that, they're dealing with this Metro North mudslide. I don't know if you saw that over the weekend with all the heavy rain on Saturday. Yeah. Huge mudslide went out onto the train tracks. But, you know, generally speaking, they're getting stuff cleaned up. There were about 20 people arrested in Brooklyn Saturday night into Sunday, part of a pro-Palestinian rally. Enough with these pro-Palestinian nutjobs. I mean, my gosh, the anti-Semitism. Did you hear about the uh, rabbi, the uh, deputy rabbi in Chicago who was knifed to death? And we think that was an anti-Semitic attack. It is in full. F- now, what do we think of Dave Chappelle and others? Look, mm. I actually, believe it or not, I know, I look, there's only one one right side here, the anti-terror side, okay, the pro-Israel side. There are some people, though, who have been out there consuming uh, fake news and consuming all that stuff that have fed them a, a string of lies. So where's Chappelle? Chappelle said something, right? I want well, to get- yeah, he, he was given a show this weekend, and I guess some of his fans walked out because he was more or less being kind of anti-Israel, maybe, with his comments. Where's this Chappelle? Can I hear it? Can I hear it yet? Oh, no. Uh, well, here's this guy talking about it. Cut 13, please. Cut 13. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, during the show, Chappelle would criticize the United States for supporting Israel's war crimes against Palestine. Chappelle's criticism would lead to an audience member heckling him, telling Chappelle to shut the F up. Hey, what channel is this? It's not exactly Walter. Uh, wait, 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 what is this? What, what kind of? Uh, all right. I want to hear the Chappelle comments. Oh, you know what? Probably don't have any. They might he, not. He tells everybody to leave the, the, the recorders outside. Yeah. Look. All of these crazy um, uh, anti-Israel, anti-Semites out there, and I, I, I have not heard Chappelle's comments. I like Chappelle. I like what a lot of what he does. But uh, these other idiots, uh, Ilan Omar, Ilan Omar, the Congre- this woman is a more, the heart and soul of the Democrat Party right now. She's got more moral authority than Joe Biden, believe it or not. Cut five, please. Cut five. And I need you all to understand this hashtag of ceasefire. It is not just now. We have had hashtag for ceasefire for Gaza many, many times. Hey, calm down. What is her problem? The idea that people who have been mass cleansed in the Nakba. You mean the Jews. Who have lived through occupation, blockade, multiple wars, millions of their people displaced, unable to visit their ancestral land. Ah! Elon, shut up. All right, enough with it. She's the one from Somalia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and she moved here, and that's fine, but boy, oh boy. I mean, really horrible, over the top. And she doesn't understand history, and she doesn't understand the region, actually. And she's not from the region, right? She's just uh, with the left here, and the rest of them, oh, just terrible. And Tony Blinken, pop- Tony Blinken, to make matters worse, did you see him on the Sunday shows? What a fragile, broken, um, you know, just can't get the job done kind of guy. And I guess right now the administration's bothering Israel, saying don't invade, don't invade, don't yeah. invade. Yeah, basically the White House is putting some pressure on the IDF to hold off right now because the official White House position is they want more time to negotiate the release of hostages. Well, um, hmm. And I mean, the speculation is, I guess, that these people are still alive. I mean, I hate to be morbid about it, but I, I kind of assumed the longer this goes on, the more, the less likely that these hostages actually are alive. Some of them are Americans too, right? We got ten Americans down there. Uh, look, it's a tricky one. You know, we want to make sure everybody is, uh, you know, rescued. And I'm, not, I think they should do it. What, what is that thing that George W. Bush used to say? We will do it at a time and place of our choosing, Mm -hmm. right? So Israel does not have to jump the gun here. There's no rush. I want them to do it right. I want them to do it effectively. I wanted them to do it decisively and rid the world of Hamas. Will there be civilian casualties? Yes, there always are. Will the make fake news go bananas and make it totally one-sided? Yes, they always do. Um, And a lot of people who are in charge of militaries around the world, including the American military, don't understand that civilian casualties have happened, do happen, and will happen. And you're also going to shoot the wrong guys all throughout warfare, the history of warfare, shooting the wrong guys, shooting the guys on your team, friendly fire. You minimize it. You do everything you can to eliminate it, but it will happen, has happened, will happen, does happen, and all that stuff. Greg, do do you think – yeah, there's a little fly or something in the studio. Do you think that there's any, you know, benefit – from a PR perspective or kind of all the stuff we're talking about for Israel to delay the ground invasion and PR perspective, they should not be thinking about PR and public relations. All right. That is a silly game to play with Hamas, right? Hamas is, you know, they, 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 they released the hostages. They're winning the PR. 
the PR game is a fake game. It's a dishonest game. You know, the hospital was bombed by Israel. That's the PR game. And that's not true, right? PR is propaganda. You, people lie, people cheat, people steal, people misrepresent. There's misinformation. There's disinformation. So I think the last thing they got to be worried about is the PR campaign. And what they have to be consumed with, and I, I trust that they are, is eliminating Hamas as decisively and overwhelmingly and as effectively as possible. And uh, once and for all, it'll be it's going to be great. And if Iran gets foolish or Lebanon gets foolish, don't get foolish. <laughs> what did Joe Biden do? Don't. Don't. That's all he says. Don't. I mean, otherwise, you know, we're going to smack you in the face. Hmm? Otherwise, you know, the Ayatollah that you like so much, he's going to be vaporized. And all of his friends, too. And everything, right? That's what you got to say. Well, you got to say it really, really harshly. Rocket Man will regret ever talking about that because we will use the big button. Remember? I do. The White House also says, by the way, in addition to that hostages concern, that they're looking to shore up some potential U.S. targets ahead of, you know, if Hezbollah in Lebanon and Iran, if they kind of get more actively involved in what's going on over wait there. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. They're going to target us? I don't really know what that phrasing means. U.S. targets, you know, okay. potential, I guess, maybe military installments or uh, embassies. I, I don't know. I have nope. no idea. But nope. that's part of their concern, apparently. Well, at least our uh, law enforcement is uh, is woke and and not stopping and frisking and uh, not doing the uh, proactive policing type things that we want done. <laughs> Eric, I heard Curtis talking about this. You know, Eric, all he was is about mental health counselors on the subway. Remember that? Whatever happened to that? I have more mental people approaching me than ever before in my life. Twice in one day last week, I yeah. told you about that. Twice. And Twice. There, were, there were comments from MTA Chair Jano Lieber recently, where who? I think it was after the who the, Janet who Jano Jano Lieber. Who the hell is that? The MTA uh, board or president, one of the, one of the two positions that heads up the, the MTA. The, the chair. I mean, those. I mean, the, the, the. But basically, he said, like, you know, people aren't gonna tolerate this these random acts of violence on the subway and to be clear uh it is mentally ill people that are doing this kind of thing because some crime on the subway has gone down like robbery stuff like that no 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 no. this is all window dressing okay people are not taking the subway like they took they they took it before everybody knows the city is less safe than it used to be forget their accounting tricks forget their games all right that is political gamesmanship including your juno whatever his name especially that guy they're all they're all it's a game they're playing a foul game and me and my family are at greater risk and so is yours so all right well anyway we got to get it done and the other thing that's going on hey the martin scorsese movie is supposed to be great the killing of the flower. I've heard mixed things. I've heard that it's not worth your time because it's like four hours long. I've heard obviously other people say that it's incredible because it's Scorsese and DiCaprio and all that stuff. So I'll see it eventually for sure. Well, um, they've been known to blow it before, but pretty much whatever Leonardo DiCaprio does is pretty good. He hasn't made a bad movie since, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever the movie he did after Titanic. He goes to with his girlfriend to Thailand, and it, it just totally stunk. Nobody liked that movie. But ever since, uh, what? What? Say, what? His version of Romeo I, and Juliet was terrible. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. That's what I think. <laughs> Bad movies. All right. So what's the name of the movie I want to see? 
Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm, all right. Very good. I got four. No, I don't. Wait, I'll see it in two installments. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Just like I did Oppenheim, Oppenheimer, whatever. That was. <laughs> I never did make it back for the second installment. No. I saw the bomb go off, and it was great. I'll be right back. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, You know... uh Sorry to bring this up to all of our um, left-wing BLM madman activists like Ben Crump and Al Sharpton, but did you know that more white people are shot and killed by police than black people every year in America? It's true. You would not know that by watching the media, right? You would have no clue about that. Overwhelmingly, those shot and killed by police happen to be white. Um by a factor of about, I don't know, like I think a, a third of the deaths are uh, happen to be black. Two thirds are are white. But don't tell that. Don't report that to people like uh, Ben Crump. Ben Crump is this uh, crazy attorney who's been running around the country, making a lot of money, yelling and screaming about police racism and claiming it's racism. When a police officer shoots a man who's trying to choke the cop to death. The officer was being choked to death by one Mr. Darius Cure. This happened in Camden, Georgia, a couple of days ago. And like a the ambulance chaser that he is, Ben Crump is on the scene yelling and screaming about racism. And, um, wow, the facts just, uh, man, they blow it totally out of the water. I've seen the entire thing. Here's Ben Crump for a moment, please. Go ahead. Absolutely do not believe if he was a white citizen. He would have been killed for a traffic stop. We don't believe. We know. We- Is that it? It goes on a little bit longer. We don't believe. We know. And this holds a lot of resonance with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to think of it. Yeah, he's right, right? Probably right. They leave, leave out that the guy was past a cop going 100 miles per hour, all right, and came after him. Pulled the stun gun out and try to choke the cop to death. And more white people shot by cops than black people. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hey, hey uh, who buys a house with cash? Who buys a house? Say a two hundred and uh, two point seven million uh, dollar beach house. Would you buy that with cash? Would you? If you were very, 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 very rich and you could write checks like most people write checks at the grocery store, that's one thing. But even if you're very wealthy, ordinarily people don't do that. Um, number one, you can park the money somewhere else and it can make uh, more more interest for you. So you would get the mortgage and, uh, you know, you play all kinds of games. Everybody does. Joe Biden bought that silly house he has on the beach in Delaware for $2.75 million cash. Within weeks of Hunter sending those threatening text messages to the Chinese business guy, demanding close to $5 million, um, this was in the Daily Mail over the weekend. The other thing that was really hot 
is the $200,000 check that James Biden wrote to his brother, the president, then ex-vice president Joe Biden in March of 2018. $200,000 from James Biden to Joe Biden. Um, that's suspicious in and of itself. Now, it says loan repay- repayment, loan repayment. And everybody is like, oh, yeah, it's a loan repayment. Good old Joe loaning his family in need money. Isn't that great? Well, it's not great. It's fishy as hell. It's dirty as hell. Remember this. Joe Biden was running around for his entire career complaining about money. Publicly, actually, saying, I'm the poorest man in the United States Senate. I am the poorest man here. Poorest man. Poorest man. I got a whole montage. goes on for about two hours of him bitching about how he's so poor. He gets out of office in 2017, January of 2017. At that point, it looks like Joe is... uh, just going to go off and be an ex-vice president, which is no big deal. we got a lot of ex-vice presidents walking around. How many ex-vice presidents do we have walking around? That's actually a good question. We've got uh, Mike Pence. We've got uh, – who's, who's Obama's vice president? Biden. <laughs> Forget Biden. we got Mike Pence. We've got uh, Al Gore. We've got uh, Dan Quayle. Uh, we've got – uh, and that may be it. All right. So these guys are not exactly, they're not going anywhere. You know, they don't make gazillions of dollars except Joe, except Joe. So finally, you know, he's been long. We believe he's been laundering money for a very long time. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough when you got all this cash coming in from all these different sources. So in 2017, he thinks he's never going to go back into public life. And he starts uh, putting some of this stuff on his income tax. And people can't figure out $17 million in in 2017. Now, an ex-vice president doesn't get that much for his uh, vice presidential memoir. Just doesn't. There's no way. The vice presidential memoirs don't, don't, don't fetch that much. Public speaking, sure, a couple of million dollars, $2 million, $2.5 million, but not $17 million. And you're not in the position to be writing checks to your brother-in-law. And what's re, and your brother actually, James Biden is his uh, flesh and blood, his little brother. Now, James Biden, as you know, has been running around his entire life making money off of being Joe Biden's brother. That's what he does for a living. He's Joe Biden's brother. That's what he's always done. And it's done, he's done quite well with that, actually. So I don't buy that he was looking for money from his brother. This is how they got money to Joe. So you got to keep a couple of things in mind. What was going on in 2018? Uh, well, they didn't think Joe was going to be president again, so they are relentlessly and greedily going out there for cash. I mean, like crazy, all right? And they're shaking down companies, it looks like. According to a lawsuit filed in July of last year, a company called AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps Health, they sued James Biden for the money he owed them. He took $600,000 from these people and didn't do what he promised to do. And what was that? He promised, let's see here, um, the the defendant, Biden, helped debtors procure an ill-advised bridge loan from a hedge fund that had a deleterious impact on the financial affairs of the debtor and ultimately forced debtors into bankruptcy, as he never delivered on the promise of the large investment from the Middle East. He said the Biden name could open doors... And all kinds of money would be coming in from the Middle East. That never happened. So they gave him a lot of money for this, though. And uh, on January 12th of 2018, AmeriCorps wired the sum of $400,000 to Joe Biden's bank account. 
And then on March 1st of 2018, they wired another $200,000 to Jim Biden's bank account. On that same day, March 1st of 2018, Jim Biden writes a personal check to his brother, the then ex-vice president of the United States, a check for $200,000. And in the little memo thing, it says uh, loan repayment. And everybody's just buying it. Everyone says, oh, well, that sounds reasonable. That sounds about right. Does it? You, <laughs> this is, and as Jim uh, James Comer pointed out, let's pretend for a moment, and there's no evidence of this, that this was actually a loan between brothers for $200,000. What were the terms of the loans, right? What was the payment schedule? That stuff should exist. So we need to see that. And let's pretend for a moment that it does all exist. It would appear as though AmeriCorps, some company that I don't know anything about, you don't know anything about, the, the American people, it's a private company, that the Biden family had a very big interest in AmeriCorps doing well, right? Because it was paying James Biden all this money. What did Joe Biden do to help AmeriCorps? Anything? Let's take a look at the record. Do we know anything about that relationship? We should. This should be a huge story, but it's not. And you'd be surprised at how dismissive, you know, Donald Trump wrote a check for $330,000 with his own money and gave it to his own lawyer and they indicted him for it. They indicted him for writing a check with his own money. What is this all about? And then the thing with the cash, the cash purchase for the house. Listen to this. Joe Biden paid nearly $2.75 million cash for the Rehoboth Beach house within weeks of Hunter sending that message. DailyMail.com can reveal that Joe Biden bought his six-bedroom Rehoboth Beach House in June of 2017 for $2,744,000 cash. The transaction was in weeks of the text message. Let's see here. Um, Joe Biden has spent 300 of his days at that house on vacation since he became president. That's pretty wild right there. He bought the home at a time that it appeared his political career was over. Five months after his vice presidency had ended, he was well into his 70s, and after all, he had decided to forego a 2016 run for the top job. But now that house in the tiny town of Rehoboth Beach could turn out to be a major embarrassment as Republicans continue their push to find business links between the 46th president and his son, Hunter. DailyMail.com has discovered that the then- Private citizen Biden, who had been virtually spent virtually all his adult life in public service, bought the home for slightly under two point seven five million in cash. Making the transaction even stranger, it was within weeks of a highly questionable text that Hunter had sent to Rulong Ram Zhao, an associate at the Chinese oil giant CEFC, asking to seal a deal worth ten million dollars a year. I remember those text messages. Hunter said this. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Hunter wrote Zhao on WhatsApp on July uh, 30th of 2017. He then appears to threaten Zhao, who we call Z. Tell the director, I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, he writes at 9.45 a.m. And now means tonight, he adds, apparently referring to time in Beijing, which is 12 hours ahead. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. 
He signs off, emphasizing, okay, my friend, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. I sure hope whatever it is you are doing is very, very, very important. Isn't that something? Man, that is dynamite. It's huge. Senator Ron Johnson, who together with Senator Chuck Grassley spent years investigating Hunter's shady foreign business activities, said the transaction underscores the imperative of getting all the Biden bank records. The corruption of the Biden crime family has been obvious for years, he claimed in a statement to the DailyMail.com. This is just another piece of evidence that will probably be ignored once again by the most of the mainstream media. It also underscores the imperative of obtaining all the bank records from all the Bidens, you know, I asked some people about this. Who buys a house in cash? And it really is the preferred way to launder money. You know those uh, those Chinese and Russian guys who come to New York, the oligarchs? What do they do? They buy up those crazy, you know, $100 million apartments in those tall, skinny buildings. It is amazing. Joe Biden, the poorest man in Congress. And then there's a text message between Joe, I'm sorry, between James Biden and Hunter Biden right around this time in March of 2018 about all the BS money that is coming in, James, which I know will ultimately go to me, Hunter's saying. BS money? Well, it sounds like BS money, doesn't it? $200,000 for no discernible skill or service or product? What do the Bidens have going for them, other than the old man wanted politics? The old man was a senator from some dinky state and won the lottery and became vice president. Man, the more I think about Delaware, the angrier I get. You know, these guys, these guys. So it's right there in plain sight, and they will ignore it. They're trying to rearrange the entire society. This is not, this will not stand. It will not stand. I also want to get into why that guy Chesbro, Kenneth Chesbro, are you familiar with him? Kenneth Chesbro just pleaded guilty in the Georgia case. You see, that's evident. Oh, that's very bad. That spells very bad for Donald Trump. No, it does not. You know, it spells very bad for America that this guy was arrested to begin with, Kenneth Chesbro. He wrote a, what's his crime? He wrote a bunch of emails with his thoughts about how the electoral college works and could work. And, you know, and yeah, what was legal, what was not legal and what was political and what was legal. You know, that's what you hire a lawyer for, right? Hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing something. Is it legal or not legal that I do this? <laughs> uh, he had all kinds of thoughts on all kinds of ways that you can count the electorate. You're allowed to do that in America. And now, with their aggressiveness against these people, they want to inhibit people like you, like me, from questioning elections, from, God forbid, protesting an election. Wait, we don't think this election was fair. What are we supposed to do? Suck it up? Because we have to worship our elections. Uh, that's, uh, that's the big takeaway here. The elections, right? The elections. You must respect democracy. Sounds very, very important, doesn't, doesn't it? Not the way these people are using it. They are stealing democracy. They are ruining this country. And uh, I think Trump is right. If we don't win in 2020, we are in, forget it. America's finished. Susan, you're upstate. Hello. Hi, Greg. It's so nice to hear your uh, little convo with your daughter. And I thought it was excellent. Um, your tone was perfect. You've had her repeat. You did everything. The only thing I could add from my experience and actually watching my daughter with my granddaughter, who's just a little older than yours, 
is the consequence part, which would be like a two-minute timeout. So you really you put it, turn, you know, at the end of that conversation you had, say, okay, so now, honey, I'm going to have you sit and think about what we talked about. And when the timer, it's a timeout, you know, and then you go back and when the timer goes off and you have her repeat why she had the timeout. Because she seems like a very bright little girl, and it's great to have this father-daughter because the mother, you know, also is involved, but it's a, it, the father is very powerful, um, and a lot of people don't, you know, give that enough credit. Well, wow, thank you very much for your vote of confidence, and uh, that makes sense, too. Yeah, a little bit of a timeout because, you know, think about what you did. And uh, and then come back to it, because sometimes when we leave the room, I feel like, OK, we're back to business as usual. So I really want to, ha- to have that that takeaway. Thank you, Susan, very, very much. Yeah, it is. Um, it's new to me and uh, it's kind of fun. I think I'm pulling something off. Oh, by the way, Trump put me on Truth Social, his Truth Social account. So the other day I had a big uh, Joe Biden check printed up like Ed McMahon style. I The House Oversight Committee released this check. So I printed it, made it a big, big check and held it up and took a picture. And he put that up on his true social. And it's me with the check. And it says in quotation marks, check, please. So uh, thank you for the president. And then I put the check up uh, itself on my Twitter. You can see all this stuff at Greg Kelly USA at Greg Kelly USA. And if you're not on social media, I know it's a big, you know, there are a lot of bad things about social media. But it's a good place to warm up. It's a good place to, you know, test your ideas and put them to the test and, and even debate and, and, and even improve your writing skills, believe it or not. I put up that check. 5,000, boy, millions of people reacted to it. Millions. And, uh, half of them are angry, but half of them totally agree with me. It's fun to watch them try to explain this away. Hello, Rob. You're in North Haven. Where is that? North Haven, Connecticut. Hi, Greg. Hi. I, uh, I have a question. I I know you don't like questions, but I do you think you might try are trying to be friends with your daughter? Well, I, number one, I I have no problem with questions. Uh, when you guys come up, I, I don't know. Trying to be friends with my daughter? No, I mean I'm I'm the boss. I make that quite clear to her. This is my house. Everything in it is mine, not yours. I am giving this stuff to you, okay? Because I love you. I know what you mean. You don't want to be friends. You don't want to be pals. You don't want to be peers with your, uh, your, your children. And I don't think anything I said in that, vid- that audio suggested that I wanted to be on her level or she could be on mine. Right? I'm the boss. I'm the disciplinarian. You know, I am also the, I am also the most loving guy in the round, but we are, I'm in charge, Rob. All right, good. Because uh, uh, I, I was raised by lovingly strict uh, mom and dad and, uh, my mom was the bad cop. My dad was the good cop. Is there are one of you a bad cop and one of you a good cop? Uh, I, I don't think it really works that way. I mean, my, no, no, we're pretty much all over it. My wife is more over it than I. If it raises to a certain level, you know what I mean, a certain level of problem, uh, I will get involved and, and believe me, take decisive, swift action. Okay? All right, good. I, I, just one last uh, suggestion. Uh, I can't say that, but... Uh, because I said so, could be said two or three different ways. You could say it with a smile on your face. You could say it with a stern. Yeah, I like to say it in a very menacing fashion. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, you got to be. You got to be stern. You can't be. Uh, you know, you got to. Yeah, <laughs> menacing. <laughs> I 
maybe that's a little much. But, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you're getting at. And I think I'm on the right track. Thank you, Rob. And thank you, Susan. And the rest, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Do you know who Barry Weiss is? An extraordinary woman who used to write for the New York Times. Uh, she happens to be Jewish, and she left because she was concerned that that place has gone totally woke and, in doing so, became quite anti-Semitic, even more so than it was, uh, well, decades ago. Its origins are quite anti-Semitic. Uh, brilliant woman, and uh, she writes as follows, and I think it's uh, it's it really bears repeating here. She writes, As a Democrat who has been left homeless who is now definitely in the center, but probably leaning increasingly right, I am left yet again with an appreciation, despite the messenger, of the message of the Trump administration, because what those guys did was pretty incredible in hindsight. So much of the work that happened in the Trump administration turns out to have been right, and that's what is so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out he was right. Issuing long-term debt to refinance when rates were at zero, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural peace in the Middle East, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? And when are we going to actually see and take the time to look past who is saying things and actually listen to them word for word? If it's clear that the last two weeks have been a wake-up call, The next question is, why? Part of the answer is the sheer depravity of Hamas's terrorism. That depravity has made the justification and celebration of their acts by those who police pronouns that much starker. The contradictions and moral bankruptcy of a worldview that spends years worrying about microaggressions and tone policing, but can't decide what side it is on after the beheading of babies, aren't exactly difficult to spot. To put it another way, when Black Lives Matter organizations are lionizing Islamist terrorists by posting a paraglider logo, you'd be a fool not to reassess things. The events of the last week have shattered the illusion that wokeness is about protecting victims and standing up for persecuted minorities. This ideology is and has always been the one thing that many of us have told you about. It is for years now. Power. And after the last two weeks, there can be no doubt about how these people will use any power they seize. They will seek to destroy, in any way they can, those who disagree. Barry Weiss. Wow! Can she write or what? That's good stuff. Uh, you got to check out the free press. You can read more of her. Again, kind of a liberal, but has seen the light. Has seen the light. Hey, I like the messenger as well as the message. I know it's very vogue to say you don't like Trump. Oh, I can't stand the tweets. I can't stand the truth. I can't stand his manner. I actually like all that stuff. But I get it. Not everybody does. Focus on what he does, not what he says, and you'll be a lot happier. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, all right, welcome back. It is uh, beautiful outside, right? I love the fall. You get to put on those sweaters and stuff like that. I actually get into that stuff. I I like uh, I like wearing my my fall jacket. 
I like it so much that I actually wear it in the summer sometimes. It's a, it's like a tweed jacket that I think is so cool. And it covers up my trouble sections. Uh, so like the mid, mid, mid portion and stuff like that. It's a little bit big and, uh, I like it, but I like how crisp and cool it is out there. And a week from today, is it a week from today? Is Halloween, which is a, or is it the day after? It's, it's next week sometime. Halloween. And, uh, we're going to go big. Uh, for Halloween in my house and beyond, uh, the kids are getting it all together. What are they going to be? Oh, I know already. Um, uh, and Elise is going to be Ariel. And as some of you may know, is the great mermaid in the little mermaid who falls in love with Eric. Eric is a human. She's a, uh, she's a mermaid. So it doesn't look good for them, but something tells me everything works out. So she's very excited about that. And that's, uh, that's fantastic. Hey. Got to just do this real quick. Mitt Romney. What a miserable, hypocrite jerk that guy is. Mitt Romney. Uh, you know, got to remember this about Mitt. He never bothered to get reelected to anything. He, and he always leaves and nobody likes him anymore. He got re, he got elected governor of Massachusetts once and then left. That's it. One term in Massachusetts. And now he's about to leave one term as senator from Utah. I don't like him. I never really liked him. He should have won in 2012. I voted for him in 2012. I was, uh, he was a little bit too good at losing and he was very much, uh, very much the gentleman, which sounds great. It actually isn't so great. Okay. It's not great. Uh, you gotta be a tough guy. You gotta, you gotta mix it up. You gotta get a little bit dirty. You're gonna get mud on your shoes if you go into politics. And he's out there yelling and screaming about Trump. What a narcissist he is. Well, I just found out something about Mitt. I'll show you actually what a narcissist Mitt Romney is. Why is he in the news? Cause there's a new book. It's not by him. I guess somebody, it's an authorized biography and Mitt opened his, uh, Opened up to this guy. So Mitt is out there trying to sell this book and he's on all the shows and he was on the CBS, uh, that silly show in the morning that used to be good a million years ago with Charles Kuralt. Now it, uh, now it's terrible with Jane Pauley. It's funny how Jane Pauley, hey, a male, ex- uh, anyway, n- n- some other time. Uh, can I hear Mitt Romney yesterday on the CBS uh, morning thing? I, I don't think I've heard a single member of my uh, caucus, the Republicans in the Senate say, you know, Donald Trump is great. Aren't we lucky to have him as our leader? Donald Trump represents a failure of character, which is changing, I think, in many respects, the psyche of our nation and the heart of our nation. And that's something which takes a long time, if ever, uh, to repair. Now, did anybody in 2012 ever say, wow, Mitt Romney is great. Isn't it fantastic that he's leading the charge here? No, we were not. America just wasn't that into you, Mitt, and you weren't that into America. You see, you look down on us, right? Frenchy. I call him Frenchy. He spent a lot of time in France, uh, Mitt. Pierre Delecto, as he also goes by. But the thing about character and people like Mitt just waving their finger. Now, what's the big deal about Trump, right? Okay, married three times. Like, that's what they're getting at, right? So what? I mean, people, I mean, Ronald Reagan was married twice. Twice. Is it the end of the world, right, that he was married three times? He's had children with each wife. I think he took each each marriage very seriously. Things happen in life, you know. That's between him and his wives and God. It does, we don't care. We don't care. And unlike you, Mitt Romney, we understood this man way before he ran for president. You see, we had to take your word for it that you built anything. And I you try to tell people that you built staples. You didn't build that. You glommed onto it. 
He glommed onto it and exploited it. But it's interesting. You know, one of the things he has said about Trump, it's that he's always bragging. He's always talking about himself. He's always a narcissist. So I went back and I listened to uh, Mitt Romney's speech in 2012, which I seem to remember was all about Mitt and all about what a great family man he was and how great he, his family, his father, all it was. It could have been a nonstop and should have been a nonstop scathing indictment of Joe Biden. Instead, he did it like a gentleman, which is like, oh, that's very nice. Well, it's very nice if you want to hang around the country club. But if you're trying to convince 70 million people to vote for you, you got to go at it. You got to break a sweat. You can't you can't let Candy Crowley own you as he did at that debate. You got to be like Trump. You'd be in jail because you'd be in jail. So um, here's a moment from his 2012 speech. Where he goes, I, I watched it last night. It's 35 minutes long. It's on and on and on about him. One dopey cornball story after the next. My mom and dad were married for 64 years. And if you wondered what their secret was, you could have asked the local florist. Because every day, dad gave mom a rose, which he put on her bedside table. Man, talk about a guy who's whipped. Hey, you got to be devoted to your wife, your spouse, all that stuff. But that is, uh, that's totally bizarre. <laughs> it's just, it's a little bit over the top. And every, does that connect? Does anybody connect with that? No, every guy watching that speech feels like a, a jerk somehow, right? Well, I don't do that. Their wife looks at him like that. That's the kind of story you take out of the speech, even if it's true. And it was it was all of that one cornball thing after the next. So I had to get on Twitter and say a few things about Mitt Romney. And uh, let me see here. I, I just find him to be really contemptible, actually. And before I do that, let's see what Donald Trump said about him. Oh, boy, he had some good stuff because he knows this guy. He knows this guy cold. He knows all about him. Mitt Romney used to ask for money, used to beg for things. And uh, so. All right. Before I do that. Oh, here we go. Mm, no, shoot. Oh, sorry about this. Now, while I get this all ready, I will tell you, um, mm, mm, mm. oh man, I am in a, I am in a real pickle right now. Here we go. Here we go. I found it. Um, Mitt Romney, a total loser that only a mother could love. This is Trump. This is what Trump calls him. Mitt Romney, a total loser that only a mother could love, just wrote a book which is, much like him, boring, horrible, and totally predictable. I am very proud to be the one who forced this left-leaning rhino out of politics. He wanted to run so badly, but knew he couldn't win in the great state of Utah without my endorsement and support. So he quit. His crummy book says nothing good about anybody other than rhino Paul Ryan, who may be worse and even dumber than Mitt himself. Does he mention his late-night dinner with me at Trump International Hotel? When he begged to be Secretary of State, then giving glowing comments about Donald John Trump at a follow-up news conference? I didn't give him the job, nor did I ever intend to. I just wanted to prove a point that Mitt Romney is, and always has been, a lightweight joke. Wow, what a message. That is actually better than the tweet that I wrote that my wife refused to put on Twitter. Uh, you know, she runs my account. Because Twitter can really get you in trouble if you're not careful. It can really blow up. Um, in some pretty horrible ways. But I, I, I had that little speech of him. I say, here's Mitt Romney totally blowing it at the RNC acceptance speech. 
Instead of ripping Obama, he was a gentleman and told a bunch of cornball stories about himself. He never broke a sweat. How dare he speak bad about Trump? P.S. Trump never put a dog in a box on the roof of a car. Mick did that. And he did. And there's never been an adequate explanation. And quite frankly, maybe he should and could still be arrested uh, for animal cruelty. I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on that. Do you? I mean, seriously, that is a very strange uh, guy. You just, nobody does that. And I found it appalling. Just appalling. Um, all right, so we have that to go through. And the other thing that I think we should touch on is, well, you, Adam. First you. Hi, Adam. What's up? How you doing, sir? Um, yeah, I'm at the airport. You already know the deal. Um, yeah, Cheeseboro, he pled guilty to a felony, sir. Not a misdemeanor, like you said last week. No, you're wrong. And, no, I'm right. No, I you're right no, no, you're wrong. I don't care what you have. You're wrong. I'm right. Sir. You're wrong. Okay, let no, me ask I'm you this: wrong. what 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 is he alleged to have done? What is he alleged to have done? Tell me what he's alleged to have done. Cheeseboro provided detailed instruction to co-conspirators in Georgia and other states for creating and distributing those false documents, sir. How did he do that? You got to ask the district attorney. No, 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 no. I don't have to. I got to read the indictment, which you haven't done. You're reading a phony. You're reading a phony media report. All right. I read the indictment. You know what the indictment says? That you can't. You can't pick up the phone. And talk to somebody about politics. Now, pleading guilty. I actually totally understand why he pled guilty. All right? So a couple of things about the guilty plea. Number one, it's a misdemeanor, not a felony. Okay? Without moral turpitude. It goes away. It's expunged from the record after three years of probation. Three years of probation. It's like it never, ever, ever happened. A $5,000 fine. And he got. he has to write a letter to the governor. Okay? Now, you compare that. Two, he was charged with a felony, but he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor. You compare the two. You put your fate in the hands of 12 strangers, 12 people you never met. you got to count on them doing the right thing. So here are the advantages for Chesbro, okay? Uh, and I'm all about it. I will clear my name. I will not. I will fight no matter what. I will clear my name. Well, when the whole damn system. The whole damn system is set up to get you. You know, he's got to worry about, I want to be able to show up at work on Monday morning and be able to work. Can I do that under this plea? Yes, he can. He doesn't spend a second in jail. Three years from now, it's like this never, ever, ever happened. All right? Now, that RICO stuff is serious and could put you in jail. No kidding, prison. And in this climate where you got people in jail for a thousand days without even being charged, Enrique Tario wrote a few emails and they have him in jail for 22 years. This guy was not going to take that chance. And I applaud him. I absolutely applaud him and what he did and how he did it. And uh, good for him. And also good for him for writing those emails. You know, we're allowed in America to debate what the Electoral Count Act of 1887 does and says. We're allowed to debate how certain justices would rule or not rule. We're even allowed to file a lawsuit if it has a 1 in 100 chance of success, even less. You're allowed to do all this stuff, Adam, okay? You're allowed to in America. And Mr. Chesbro got so screwed over, I'm glad he took this way out. 
You know, a lot of us don't have the resources that Trump has, right? We're not billionaires. We're not multi-millionaires. And neither is he. He's a very interesting guy, and he thought outside the box, and there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, I'd I'd reevaluate that. And don't believe the fake news that somehow this is bad for Trump. It's not in the slightest bad for Trump. Not at, all, not, at all, not at all, not at all, not, no, it doesn't testify. He will testify if he has to, he'll, just because you testify doesn't mean it's like, oh my goodness gracious, oh, ooh, testify. He testifies that he wrote an email. He'll testify that he wrote an email that, you know, uh, the Electoral Count Act of 1887 applies or doesn't apply, or the vice president has this option or doesn't have this option. So if I wrote an email advising Mike Pence, you know what, on January 6th, I don't think you have to count the votes. My read of the Electoral Count Act says you don't. You can throw them right back to Harrisburg. And you know who agrees with me? Judge Ludig. Judge Ludig. So anyway, you're wrong about it being a felony. Uh, you're wrong about it hurting Trump. But other than that, Adam, I'm glad you called. Have a nice day, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How about that one? A conspiracy to commit filing false documents. Let's all conspire. Let's all get together and file some false documents. Well, you say they're false, right? You say they're false, right? There's only one way to see the election. There's only one way. Only one way. Uh, Let's see here. Obstruction of public administration and related offenses. Uh, I can't believe that our criminal code goes into this kind of crazy. I mean, <laughs> you want to know the law? Uh, let's see here. Account 15, OCGA 16-4-8 and 16-10-20.1, Section B, Paragraph 1. Now, Adam actually may have been right on one technical thing. I'll give him that. But everything else he was totally wrong on, all right? And, uh, Chesbro is a, is a, you know, sometimes you gotta like, you gotta weigh, okay, what's gonna happen here? What are my, what are my options? What are my options? Something else. It's fascinating that these people, these good people are getting thrown in jail. And Dick Cheney gets, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people he got killed. What do you think? 100,000, 200,000, 500,000? You know, the Iraq War, right? Weapons of mass destruction? Uh, no weapons of mass destruction, but, uh, yeah, we had a war. And uh, how many millions of dollars? And he gets his daughter elected to the Congress. She loses a re-election, like totally, like I, by 75 points. 75 points she loses. Liz Cheney is still able to go out there. She's still invited on shows. Will you run for president? Isn't it kind of, don't you have to, you can't lose your last congressional race, right? And be considered presidential timber, right? And I think this should be, this is probably, um, uh, this is makes her ineligible, doesn't it? Liz Cheney talking about what a great guy Joe Biden is and what a great president, too. Cut 18, please. Cut 18. Who do you think is providing better leadership on the international stage right now, um, Biden or Trump? Oh, certainly Biden. <laughs> certainly Biden. Tell me more about that. Cut 19. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president. Um, it, it, because if he is, um, all of the things that he attempted to do, um, but was stopped from doing by responsible people around him at the Department of Justice, at the White House Counsel's Office, all of those things he will do. There will be no guardrails. And everyone has been warned. After January 6th, after our investigation, after all of the evidence that we laid out about all of the steps in his multi-part plan to overturn the election, 
There can be no question. All right, stop that. that. I want to hear that one more time. One more time, Joe Biden. Joe Biden or Trump, cut 18. Who do you think is providing better leadership on the international stage right now, um, Biden or Trump? Oh, certainly Biden. Certainly Biden. All right. We lost in Afghanistan, okay? We greenlit the invasion of Ukraine. Um, you see that the Middle East is uh, is exploding. China is uh, owning us, eating our lunch, all right? Uh, we have no southern border, for crying out loud. We are infested with terrorists, right? You can actually say with a straight face, she can, because this is all about her and respectability in the swamp. And how does she get respectability? By, well, being what she is, this uh, unguided missile, sometimes guided missile against Trump. You know, that family was thoroughly and totally disgraced just a few years ago because of Iraq. Dick Cheney couldn't show his face in public. This has helped reintroduce and rehabilitate that family. It was in 2017, maybe 2018. A big movie came out. It was called Vice, V-I-C-E. It was all about the crimes of Dick Cheney and Halliburton and everything like that and how the, the, the war profiteering that went on. And Liz, on the same show, I didn't play it for you, but on the, yeah, the Sunday shows yesterday, she actually said with a straight face that Iraq helped keep the world safe. Our invasion of Iraq. That's that's a strictly a Cheney thing. Everybody in the world. And she, of course, she wasn't challenged on any of this stuff, right? How do you say that? Hmm? We destabilized the Middle East, and we're still living with the consequences. Give me a moment, please. Thank you, Adam. One more time. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's uh, becoming a big story, and, and rightfully so. This woman, a rabbi, I believe, in Chicago, killed, stabbed outside of a synagogue. Uh, and a lot of us suspect that anti-Semitism has a big role here. Um, perhaps I, I hear that that's being downplayed, uh, but we don't know. We don't have the full story yet, and uh, we're keeping an eye on it right now. Uh, everyone, everyone, it's a, yeah. Number of people of interest, nobody's in custody. And I'm, I'm looking at that woman who was uh, killed outside the synagogue. Just terrible. Anything happens there, uh, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I actually wouldn't mind dipping in and listening to this when we can, okay? Is it good? Uh, momentarily. All right, we'll get back to it. In the meantime, uh, you know who's emerging as Trump's number one rival, although she's way, 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 way back, uh, Nikki Haley. The former governor of South Carolina seems to be taking on DeSantis for the role of uh, second place. Second place, <laughs> 55 points behind Trump instead of uh, 57 points behind Trump. And Nikki Haley, I, uh, I'm i not a big Nikki Haley fan, to be honest. I just, look, she'd be a million times better than Biden, but uh, she just has such a cornball way about her. Right? Listen to this. This is a... Uh, when she kicked off her presidential campaign. And I find this a little bit insulting, especially to the people of South Carolina. Go ahead. But it wasn't always easy. We were the only Indian family. Nobody knew who we were, what we were, or why we were there. But my parents knew. And every day they reminded my brothers and my sister that even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. All right, all right. I don't care how patriotic you are. There are some days where you forget to point that out, okay? And the thing that I really don't like, okay, so she's of Indian descent. It's a real diss to South Carolina. 
We weren't black. We weren't white. We were different. Nobody knew who we were, what we were, where we were doing there. Like, you know, right there. Are they that redneck in South Carolina? You'd be, I've lived in the South. Not as backwards as the fake news would like us to think. They can figure out where India is on a map. We understand about, uh, immigration, legal, right? We understand these things. And she plays, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't want to call it the race card. It's more the ethnic card, right? And that somehow she's, and by the way, it, it does kind of make her special, I guess, because it's all about not who you are, not what's on the inside. It's all about the little packaging. What silly bow you can put on the box. Here's something that nobody really appreciates about her. And I'm going to tell you and let this go at the next, uh, next time you meet. Oh, why Nikki Haley is very impressive. Well, Nikki Haley would not be a governor if it weren't for the, uh, political brilliance of Trump. No, she would not be running for president right now. See, Trump gave her the job of a lifetime, uh, ambassador to the United Nations. And that's just what, excuse me, a hick from the sticks. You need some sort of international cred, um, to run for president these days, right? And, uh, for her, Going from South Carolina to the United Nations, wow, right? That's a big, that makes you look like you've got international experience. You don't really. They tell you exactly what to do. Everything. You have no freedom, no flexibility, nothing. But you do have those glamorous pictures of yourself raising your hand at the Security Council meeting, right? That's pretty cool. I will admit that is cool. But why was she made? She's the governor of South Carolina at the time. She didn't lift a finger to get Trump elected in 2016. In fact, she endorsed Rubio. And so Trump wins, shocks the world. And Trump, you know, you want to help people who helped you. And he calls up this guy, McMaster, who's the lieutenant governor of South Carolina. And he's like, hey, Mick, come on. You, 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 just, you did great. You won me South Carolina by a lot. What do you want? You want to be, you want, you want to be a cabinet, uh, cabinet secretary or something? What do you, what do you think? He says, well, what I really want, Mr. President, is uh, I'd like to be governor of South Carolina. I'm only the lieutenant governor now, as you know. So if we could do something about Nikki, maybe give her a job, and that opens up the spot for me. And Trump liked that idea. I was like, oh, that's uh, that's really clever. I, let me think about that. I can – let's see. Where can we – but it's got to be a job that's meaningless, but she'll think is important, right? So what do we do with that? Hmm. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. And then he calls him, I got it, the United Nations. We'll put her in the United Nations. Does anybody know who the UN ambassador is right now? Nobody. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. And you've got to do what I tell you to do anyway. you got to vote the way I, so we make her that and then we'll get rid of her in like, in, in a year. We'll fire her. And, uh, and she can be the ambassador. And she'll take that job. She'll leave everybody in South Carolina, won't she, Mick? And she did. <laughs> and she did get fired in a year. And McMaster is still the governor of South Carolina, in large part because he helped Trump so much in 2016. All right, turn up the volume on this press conference in Chicago. It's about the uh, rabbi who was murdered. Right now uh, in the area, and so, uh, but we're confident that she was there quite a while. It, it kind of leads to my last question. I, I was curious if the, I mean, I saw that there were ring doorbell cameras that I'm sure you can use to help identify suspects. I'm also wondering if there were green light cameras in the area. The, the condo neighborhood itself seems to be pretty self-contained, but has that helped you identify you know, potential suspects you're looking into, persons of interest. Yeah, so as you know, the, the one of the, the provisions of the green light is that there's no facing of, of residential uh, communities. Um, that was a concern early on. I think um, you may have been part of some of the conversation around that. Um, 
but as it relates to routes of travel, they could certainly be useful. We just have to get there uh, once we um, figure all of that out. We'll certainly be looking at green lights and, and other video systems to see routes of travel. Um, you know, one of the things that's of particular interest to us is when she left uh, the wedding, uh, does a vehicle appear uh, with her in more than one uh, stop, right? So we'll be tracking her entire route uh, digitally. Uh, All right, so let's, from, they're, they're uh, looking right. for evidence. Uh, let's see here. The slaying of a Detroit synagogue. Uh, I'm sorry, Detroit. Did I say Chicago? The slaying of a Detroit synagogue president has sparked an outpouring of grief on social media and uh, and elsewhere throughout the country. Um, Samantha Wall, 40 years old, who led the Isaac Agree Downtown Synagogue since 2022, was found stabbed to death Saturday morning outside her home in Detroit's Lafayette Park neighborhood, according to local media reports. Newsweek reached out via email and Facebook on Saturday to the Detroit police. The synagogue, meanwhile, shared a statement about Wall's unexpected death on Facebook. I'm looking at her right now. Um investigating around 6.30 a.m. after finding a body with stab wounds outside of a residence along Joliet Place, a uh, trail of blood leading to the victim's home. Investigators believe the attack began inside her home. Officers found Wall had been stabbed multiple times, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. A motive had not been determined as of Saturday evening, and police are still investigating. Hey, you know what? Sometimes these things turn out to be, uh, you know, well... Not what we think initially, so we don't know. Inside the house, that kind of changes things a little bit. Did she know her assailant? This may have had nothing to do um, with her faith, but let's face it, we're all a little bit uh, on edge because we've been confronted with anti-Semitism. Like, I personally have never seen it before. I've seen it in the history books. You know, I know it's a real thing. And, um, hey, 40 years ago today, the Marine barracks were bombed in Beirut. That was 40 years ago today. I remember when this happened. I was in uh, junior high school, and I was up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. My dad was going to Harvard, actually, at the time. Yeah, he was going to Harvard for a master's degree, and this happened. It was shocking news. And, uh, yeah, nearly how many Marines were killed? 200 or so? You never hear about this anymore, but this 40 years ago today, a suicide bomber, drove a truck into the Marine barracks, and a lot of people died, a lot of Marines. And I remember hearing from one of the witnesses that the driver of the suicide truck was smiling, smiling just before impact. There was also controversy that the Marines did not have their weapons loaded at the time. That was kind of part of the policy. They were not supposed to have their weapons loaded. President Reagan, as he could when needed, speak so powerfully in offering comfort to a country after something like that. Here's Ronald Reagan 40 years ago uh, today. Cut 12. I'm not going to take any questions this morning because we are going right into meetings on the events that have taken place on this tragic weekend. But I would like to make this statement I know there are no words that can express our sorrow and grief over the loss of those splendid young men and the injury to so many others. I know there are no words also that can ease the burden of grief for the families of those young men. 
Likewise, there are no words to properly express our outrage, and I think the outrage of all Americans, at the despicable act, following as it does on the one perpetrated several months ago in the spring that took the lives of scores of people at our embassy in that same city, in Beirut. But I think we should all recognize that these deeds make so evident the bestial nature of those who would assume power if they could have their way and drive us out of that area, that we must be more determined than ever that they cannot take over that vital and strategic area of the earth, or for that matter, any other part of the earth. Thank you. 241 Marines were lost and uh, dozens of French personnel, French personnel as well. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out what was our retaliatory action. You know, what did we do in response? And it's not quite clear what exactly we did. I think the big question was, do we stay in Lebanon or do we get out? You know, there's a peacekeeping role for us. And there was enormous pressure to withdraw immediately. And we didn't do that. As far as a... As far as a retaliation, let me see here, alleged retaliation on March 8th, 1985. Let's see here. Uh, on March 8th, 1985, a truck blew up in Beirut, killing more than 80 people and injuring more than 200. The bomb detonated near the apartment block of Sheikh Mohammed Hussein Fadala, a Shia cleric thought by many to be the spiritual leader of Hezbollah. Although the U.S. did not engage in any direct military retaliation to the attack, of the Beirut barracks, the 1985 bombing was widely believed by Fadlala and his supporters to be the work of the United States. Sheikh Fadlala stating that they sent me a letter and I got the message. An enormous sign of the remains of one bombed building read made in the USA. Robert Fisk also claims that CIA operatives planted the bomb and that evidence of this is found in an article in the Washington Post newspaper. Journalist Robin Wright quotes articles in the Washington Post and New York Times as saying that according to the CIA, the Lebanese intelligence personnel and other foreigners had been undergoing CIA training, but that this was not our operation and it was nothing we planned or knew about the retaliation. Alarmed U.S. officials subsequently canceled the covert training operation in Lebanon. Hmm. Um, I kind of wish we uh, did have our hands all over that counterattack and, and maybe we did. Maybe we did. Um, I got to do uh, two other things here. Hey, you know, we're having Police Awareness Day on Wednesday. Back the Blue Day around here. And that is going to be beautiful, beautiful programming. Uh, we always like doing that, and it's uh, it's important that we do. Um, let's see if there's anything else. It was a kind of a hazy weekend, right? This rain on the weekends. Enough with it already. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey, how are you? Thanks for taking my call, Greg. I have two quick points to make. The first one is regarding the attorneys, Cheeseboro, Powell, even Rudy Giuliani, where prosecutors are going after attorneys for representing their clients. You know, as an attorney, we have a, a duty to step in the shoes of our clients and represent them to the ends of the earth and do whatever we need to do, investigatively, making phone calls, sending emails uh, to represent them. We see that on both sides of the aisle, you know, here in New Jersey with Menendez, he has attorneys representing him, staunchly representing him. 
But now prosecuting those attorneys, forcing them into plea deals, I think it's a slippery slope that's going to come back and haunt the Democrats, and they're going to cry foul when it comes back to get them. The chicken's coming home to roost. Well, and again, criminalizing the attorneys, that is so outside the the rules you know that's so bad and what they're doing are rudy giuliani uh well anyway he's gonna win these guys are gonna win ultimately mike thank you very much uh joanne hello oh uh, yes Greg. how are you good um okay real quick um thank you i just want to thank you believe it or not for all that you do and say about trump i agree with every single word that you say and every every belief that you have I'm totally with you. Secondly, and I try to I try to talk it up every day to people, to friends, to who's changing their minds, who's going against them. I get so angry. Number one. Number two, real quick. The other day when I, t- I want to know how your tooth, and I'm asking you for a reason, so don't hang up on me. Your tooth, how did you make out on Friday? Oh, yeah. So after the show, the breast of it came off. My entire cap came off. I called the dentist, and he said, uh, it's not a big deal, but come in on Monday. So I got an appointment right after this. I got to get the cap put on. Thank you. Thank you for remembering. All right. Yeah. Does that answer I, your question? I wanted to, I wanted to, no, no, I wanted to tell you why. Because oh. do you remember when I brought this up for a reason? I gotta, I gotta hang up in a second. So what's up? Okay. With Rosanna Scotto that day, do you remember the day her son was coming in to see you guys and he was on his bike and he got in an accident and Rosanna had to rush him over across from the park? She went to a, she picked I, I don't remember. I mean, yeah. I, so? Oh, you, you, do you remember that? Well, what about it? it? went to another, I wanted to tell you that maybe you should go to him. He's, of course, from I thought you were looking for a doctor, that day, a dentist that day. I know. I I have my own doctor, Doctor Z. He's a great dentist. He's oh, going to see. Did, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I got to go right, to LJ's dentist from ten right. years ago. I mean, I I got I, I got a, I got my I got a family dentist. Thank you very much, though, Joanne. Thank you. All thank, right. Thank you, goodbye. Right, goodbye. 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 I mean, come on, that is a bit of a stretch. You know, my, my ex-co-worker's son got in a bike accident 15 years ago and messed up his teeth. Maybe I should go to that dentist. My situation is not nearly as, oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Getting into a bike accident. Oh, be careful on those silly bikes. And if you're a person above the age of, uh, let's see, 16, don't ride a bike anymore. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, did anybody take uh, advanced placement courses in high school? I took I took several, actually. I got a lot of college credit in high school. Started taking them, I think, my uh, in 11th grade. Anyway, they're starting to push uh, African-American studies is, is great in certain contexts, but the, the proposed class... The college board, you know, it's totally crazy and off the wall, woke and weird. Listen to this. It's a news report uh, from uh, from down south. Go ahead. All right, let's get right to it. Here at South County High School in Lorton, these students are hard at work making masterpieces, recreating sculptures like the ones you would see in ancient Western Africa. You have step shows. You have a lot of things to have cultural sensibilities. Talking about things like black joy and historically black colleges and universities. It's all part of the new AP African American Studies pilot class. My goal is to get them holistic history, as much information as possible, and then hopefully they'll take that information to make the world a better place. I felt like there was like a gap in my knowledge about African history, so I thought this class would be a great way to... Like, deep in my knowledge. The class launched after months of drama nationwide. In April 2022, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Stop Woke Act, 
limiting how racism can be taught in schools. Then in January 2023, the Florida Department of Education banned AP African American Studies. Right, stop, stop, they, stop. It's look, African American Studies, you want to study, you want to study the continent and the history, great. But they go into all kinds of weird things. And actually, you heard some of their black joy. Uh, then there's uh, queer black, whatever the hell that is, queer, right? LGBT queer Q. Uh, then the sexuality and transgender, and they cram all this woke weird stuff into AP African American studies. That they just did it the way they did European history, quite frankly. You know, just it's where it's really about the players and how it all formed. And I think, I think it's definitely woke, and it's definitely too much of a dose of uh, the present. Oh, Barbara, hello. Hi, Greg. In reference to what you're just saying, I have in front of me the article by Yuri Bezmanov the KGB agent who warned us about the propaganda, and he said Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or balanced by basic American values and American patriotism. I love that Bezmanov guy. we got to do more on him. Do me a favor. I'm running out of time, Barbara. Just tell me about the cash in the house, Biden and buying that house in cash. Biden paid cash for his house. Where is the IRS with their lifestyle audits? A lifestyle audit compares what is on your tax return to the way you live your life. And based upon those investigations, they can uncover everything. They have access to all your bank records, everything. And you, if the onus is on you to explain, oh, I, I didn't earn $2 million. How did I pay $2 million for a house? This is how I did it. That is a tool of the IRS. It is used in other countries. A lifestyle audit. We got to, yeah, I'm going to phone that in. I am going to phone that in. They really should. Barbara, thank you. I got to go. Sarah, hello, very quickly. Never mind. Not fast enough. Sorry, Sarah. Call back tomorrow. Sandra. Hi, Greg. I wanted to say that I was surprised at Lindsey Graham's meltdown. Oh, Lindsey Graham, he's such a rhino and a weakling. I know, I know. I heard the same thing. Listen, sorry, I got a little bit backed up on the calls. Uh, Apologies, Sandra and Barbara, to be continued. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah.